We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Welcome to the Rotoviz College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Onlico, and I've just cracked open a Cloud Catcher Milkshake IPA from Odell Brewing Company, and I'm very excited to be joined by Jordan Hoover, Matt Wispy. Fellas, what are we sipping on tonight? I'm drinking a Jackie O's Raz Wheat, Raspberry Wheat Ale, because I didn't feel like drinking an IPA tonight. That makes sense. That's fair. Yeah, and I'm going to bring us even further, well, actually, not even further. You can't get weirder than that. Completely to the floor. I uh I have a Founders All Day IPA. Oh, that's delicious. Yeah, that's a good choice. All all very strong choices. Um, a little bit of news to to start off the show, and and so, some of this I didn't know was actually news. I, I guess I just kind of assumed these were going to be happening. But Justin Fields and Jalen Hurts both named starters. I thought that was a given. So, the whole Justin Fields thing is hilarious to me because. I think people did like generally believe or genuinely believe the news that like oh it's a co- it's an open competition they believe or they're not sure Justin Fields is going to be the guy. Everyone needs to be clear. He was told during that recruitment that he was the guy. This was a show and was an a gesture of goodwill to Gunnar Hoke for coming in in the off season that we're not just immediately going to push you to the side. Justin Fields was always the starter. It was just a matter of saying it. 
the funny part was when people actually believed the parody account that came out and said uh, Gunnar Hoke was named the starter on Sunday night. Yeah, <laughs> I did actually see that. That's pretty funny. The guy yeah. blocked me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think it was always going to be this way, but I also think that it just kind of points to Ryan Day. He's more savvy, I think, than people. And as far as savvy, not necessarily like being savvy with who's the better player, because, I mean, I think that's pretty clear, but savvy as in coach-wise, this, like, this type of coach speak is pretty advanced. So, I mean... I think that Fields was always going to be the guy. I think whoever, anyone who's like really paying attention probably knew that as well. But it was some showmanship from the uh, from the new head coach. Yeah, and what about the situation in Oklahoma? Any, I mean, we're not. There's no surprise there. We all expected this, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. To steal a phrase from another uh, road of his podcast, this would be a uh, no shit. Um, right. <laughs> because Hertz came Hertz came in specifically knowing he was going to be the starter. If he if he thought that it was even a remote chance that he wouldn't, I, I highly doubt that he would have chosen to go to Oklahoma. I do like Spencer Rattler a lot actually, but I you know I didn't He's a freshman, I didn't really right? think yeah he, yes. true freshman yeah and I I do like him a lot especially for the future because this will be Hertz is only going to be here for one year so. I didn't really necessarily think that Rattler was going to push Hertz right now, and I don't think we'll see him much, if at all, unless there's like a massive blowout or an injury. But yeah, this is sort of on the same level as Fields, as far as like the surprise factor being basically none. Right, right. I've been binge watching QB One today, um, or I've just had it kind of playing in the background at work, and uh, yeah, Spencer Rattler's kind of the star of that series this season. And in my head, I really did start to believe maybe he is going to push Hurts for a minute. But nah, I mean, this is this is a given. Jalen Hurts is a much better quarterback than he's given credit for, even if he is. I mean, he's probably just a rich man's JT Barrett. But Ooh. put it. I mean, that's not an insult. <laughs> JT Barrett owns like every Big Ten record. Well, he um, played for eight seasons. So, I mean, that's <laughs> whoa, <laughs> it does six feel, and a half. It does um, feel like he was there forever. But I mean, <laughs> sorry, but, continue. Sorry. But so Jalen Hurts, it might be just a I mean, he one of those kind of game manager quarterbacks and is never going to be a great pro. But put him in this system. Lincoln Riley's going to make him a star. And you'll see why I think that later. Oh, no. Oh, my God, no. All right. I like the foreshadowing. We, we're all about that. Real quick, though. So I um, I have dived deep, head head first. I guess that's how you always dive is head first. Otherwise, it's jumping. But I have <laughs> dove into the Debbie waters this, this week in a, in a league with, with Jordan and then another dynasty league with both of you fellas. And so now my brain is all I can think about is Debbie. I, I dream about it. I can't stop thinking about it. Does Hertz have any value in any, no. does he, he doesn't project to do anything no. at the next level, does he? And, and what about no. fields? Fields? Yes. Hertz. No. See, I'm, I kind of fight me. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think I agree with Hertz. I don't think he's ever going to be like fantasy relevant necessarily unless we see dramatic growth um but yeah I, i'm not even <laughs> this is an unpopular opinion but you're I'm gonna not, you're gonna get i'm not 100 here. i'm not 100 on sold on fields 
Well, we haven't um, really seen a lot yet either. Yeah. For Fields. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not saying he can't do it, but I am far from coming close to being like, yes, he will be a starter. He will be good. I'm not there yet. I And I, I should say this. My expectations for Fields are a projection based on playing two seasons with a quote-unquote QB guru in Ryan Day and Mike Yersich potentially for two seasons as well. And then also having a pretty well-known quarterback coach in Quincy Avery. But also along with that is factoring in the fact that he's one of the most highly rated quarterback prospects in the modern era. And so while I do think that, yeah, we're probably getting beyond the point where five stars still matters. Like it's, it's now kind of prove it mode. There is something to be said about a fact or something to be said about a quarterback who most people who went and saw his elite 11 camps and saw his workouts said they were among the best workouts they've ever seen from a high school player. So I, he's probably a little more of a project, but there's a chance that he has a, I, I don't think it's impossible to think that he has a year like Cam Newton had his final year. One of these two years at Ohio state. All right. Well, that's something to be watching for sure. I I'm curious to see what he can do. I definitely know you will be rooting for him there, Matt. Uh, what are you talking about? I'm not a homer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, if the day Jordan starts speaking of Justin Fields' praises, we'll, we'll know that uh, that he's legit. So uh, not because you're hard on people, but just because it's an Ohio State guy. The potential, yeah, the potential is there, but I just want to see it. That's that's pretty much my take. Yeah, no, I think that's good. We've got a good show lined up for, for you listeners today. We're going to go through some Heisman picks. We're going to... Look at the games. Man, we've got football coming up in just a couple of days. I am super excited. We're going to talk about Florida-Miami. We're going to talk about Arizona at Hawaii. We're going to talk a little bit about Debbie and Dynasty. It's going to be a great show. Uh, before we jump into all of that, though, I do want to just let you know that you can become a Rotoviz Patreon and gain exclusive access to Rotoviz Radio Slack, where you can ask questions and gain league-winning advice from the many podcast and writing team experts that are on there. Patronships start at just $6 per month. Become a Rotoviz patron today. Join this exclusive community of listeners. You can sign up at patreon.com forward slash Rotoviz Radio. For those of you who sign up before Sunday, we're giving away five FFPC $35 entries for our Patreon subscribers. So enter for a chance to win. Again, do that before Sunday and you can join one of those things potentially. So go ahead and do that. Hit pause and sign up. We are ready for you there. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash Rotoviz Radio. All right, let's get into, you've kind of already foreshadowed it. Let's just jump right in. Matt, who do you think is going to win the Heisman this year? <laughs> so I, I, it's it feels weird to say that after I called him a rich man's JT Barrett, but the truth is that uh, I think Jalen Hurts is going to put up video game numbers at Oklahoma, but he's going to do it differently than Kyler Murray. I think he's probably going to use his legs a little bit more. He's not going to be at the 13 adjusted yards per attempt that Kyler Murray was last season, but he is going to put up ridiculous numbers. And the reason why I'm picking him actually has a little less to do with him and a little more to do with the people in front of him. Trevor Lawrence and Tua Tagovailoa pretty much have to repeat what they did last year, keep their team undefeated the whole year, Otherwise, voters are going to be soured on them quicker just because the expectation for them is pretty much to walk on water. Whereas with Hertz, 
if he comes out, puts up 3,000 yards and 1,000 yards rushing on a team that is a fringe playoff team or is a playoff team for that matter, he's going to be right there in the conversation. And I don't know if it'll take that much for him to jump over them if they regress even slightly. So that's kind of my big reason why if I were going to go put some some money down right now, I would take the 10 to one odds on Hertz rather than the two and a half to one odds on tour Trevor Lawrence. So you're picking this looking at odds, not just straight up. If you had to just choose one player, it's, if it was an it's equal both. Play. Okay. It's both. I, I think that there's with like guys like Trevor Lawrence and Tua Tagovailoa, they sort of face the same battle that a guy like um, Bryce Love faced last year. It didn't matter how good he played because he wasn't necessarily going to be compared against everyone else. He was going to be compared a lot against himself. So if they regress even slightly, the people are going to, or the voters are going to have in their head, but wait, we already saw a better version of this. Did he even take a step forward? Is he the most outstanding player? No. Okay. Then is this all smokescreen? So it's, it's not that I think he is only getting, has a chance because of the value of the bet, but it's also a pick because it it's hard for you to top when top a season where you already broke records. Does his 62.9% career completion percentage scare you at all? Cause it does 62.9%. I'm fine with that. I think it'll go. I do think it goes up in this Lincoln Riley scheme because Lincoln Riley has pretty much made every quarterback, the most accurate quarterback ever. And I think that Lincoln Riley has a good enough offensive mind that he's going to build an offense around Jalen Hurts' abilities and inabilities. So you aren't going to be seeing him try and chuck it downfield deep all the time. He's going to be looking for those shorter routes where he exploits the underneath. So while that may not be as bad, like his receivers may see a decline in their raw numbers, overall the team's going to operate in a very efficient manner. All right, Jordan, who, who's your who's your Heisman pick for this upcoming season? Yeah, so who I think is going to win is Trevor Lawrence. Um, and the reason why is because sort of what Matt was saying about what harms um, Tua as far as like perhaps we've seen the ceiling or close to the ceiling, I don't necessarily know that we've seen the ceiling yet with Lawrence. I think that he has room to improve and he has everything around him to do so. I also believe that Clemson has a better chance of going undefeated than Alabama. I think that's a pretty uh, safe assumption. Um, I kind of think Clemson, Clemson has a better chance of going undefeated than Oklahoma. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah, I think that the ACC, other than there, – there are not a lot of trip-up points in the ACC. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you don't ever want to project a team to go unfeated because regardless of what of what team it is and what conference, it's still extremely difficult to win 12 games. It's hard. Things go wrong. Things break. You know, it's hard. But if they do go undefeated, Lawrence stays healthy and upright, utilizes his wide receivers – Hopefully Etienne a little bit more in the passing game. Um, and the hype's already building. People love him. He's, he, you know, he's the he's the prodigy. So, I mean, I think that there's already, like, built-in hype that kind of pushes him in the right direction. And I also think that we haven't seen the ceiling yet. Um, so, I mean, it's not a, you know, it's not a controversial pick to pick a guy who is tied with 
the lowest odds. Um, but that's who I think will win. Um, obviously not factoring in price. Yep, I totally agree. That's who I picked as well. I, I think people might forget that <laughs> starting off the year, he, he was not even like the, the main man. I remember uh, much to my embarrassment that I was... I was advocating for a QB split just to throw teams off and not let them know what was coming at them. Uh, I feel like a real idiot now. The dude, Lawrence is awesome. Uh, but once he took over, I mean, he was just so dominant. He only threw four picks last year, which is just incredible, uh, given the fact that he he threw the ball, you know, close to 400 times. So really, really impressive uh, interception rate there. I, I think he's going to have a monster year. The receiving core, of course, I think is is absolutely fantastic. Where would you rank wide, the, the Clemson wide receiver core in the nation? If you had to give them like a top uh, a top five, top three, top ten, what, what, what do you think, Jordan? Top three. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they're they're right there. Some, you know, I think it's safe to say or fair argument could be made that Alabama is better. Minnesota. <sighs> well, I know I know you're going to be down on the map because That's, Renfro's gone. I mean, you know, but boy, Hunter Renfro, God. <laughs> I don't know. I, it, Ross is so hyped, and yeah, Justin Ross is good legit. Reason. Yeah, but but T Higgins is kind of like, kind of been forgotten a little bit, and I think that he's better than maybe the popular perception is floating around right now, and it's just that it's so deep. I mean, it, Darian Kendrick, who probably would have been what their wide receiver three this year if he would have stayed on that side of the ball, is now their starting cornerback. I mean, it's just. It, An embarrassment it's, it's, of riches, yeah. It is. And it's well, a toss-up like, between them and Alabama, I think. And probably. that's not even including, like, they brought in two five-star wide receivers this offseason. So that, and they might not even see that many snaps. That's, yeah. how, so that's I, how deep it is. I think those, those players will help <laughs> Trevor Lawrence. And I don't even think he needs much yeah. help. I mean, he throws the deep ball better than anyone I saw last year at the college level. And, uh, and I'm including Kyler Murray in that. Like he looked, he looked really good to me throwing the deep ball down the sideline. I was super impressed by him. I I'm excited to see what he can do. And he's, he's got my, um, my, my dark horse. We're going to do dark horses each. I'm going to go first so that people can, uh, get the dirty taste out of their mouth, uh, with you guys as relatively normal takes, I assume, but I'm going with Khalil Tate. I think he could have a monster year this time last year. I was so excited for that, game against Houston to start off the year and I, I picked them to win and I was excited for Tate just to do all the things and of course we know how last year went but I think a lot of that had to do with with his injuries he had lower body injuries he had upper body injuries so as a dual threat quarterback when you can't do either of those things it's a it's a real problem but he ended the year really strong I I'm really excited to see what he can do I mean he uh he helped beat he helped the Wildcats beat Oregon um, in his last four games, he had a really solid, really solid numbers. If you look at those four games and project them over the full season, he would have had 45 touchdowns with close to three and a half thousand yards. Like really strong end to the season. I, I'd like to see what he can do this year. If he can stay healthy, I think the sky's the limit for him. Again, it's it's a dark horse because I don't really expect it all to to fall in place for him. But if it does, he's got the talent to really uh, to really be exciting. So I'm. You know, another reason why I'm so excited for this upcoming weekend is because I want to see as much Khalil Tate as possible. Yeah, that's you guys can make fun of me now. <laughs> see, I won't make fun of that. I think I, he's another guy that could just put up video game numbers. The only thing that'll hold him back is basically, do we expect Arizona to win nine games this year? I mean, 
it shouldn't matter. In theory, it should it the Heisman's most outstanding player. And if he's the most outstanding player, regardless of his team finish, that sort of shouldn't matter, but it does. And I think that while he will be one of the three or four most entertain, entertaining players in the country, he's just not going to get the record you need to win the Heisman. Yeah, I mean, they, they are fortunate enough to catch Washington and Utah at home this year, so that might help a little bit. But they do have to go to Autzen, which could be could be difficult. But then again, he just beat Oregon last year, so so who knows? It, they could put. I think that Arizona could be a little bit better than we're we're thinking. But I thought that last year too. And you know, you you know me, I'm always way too high on the Pac-12. So uh, yeah, who do you got, Jordan? Who, who's your dark horse? Well, I want to pick a running back, but I know that that's bad process. So. <laughs> I won't because running backs are not allowed to win the Heisman. Can you give an honorable running, mention though? Michael Warren. Because running backs don't matter at any level, apparently. Um, actually, I mean, if I was going to give a running back for real, it would be Eno Benjamin. But I don't think there's a couple things going against him. First of all, he's a running back. And second of all, like you were saying with Arizona, I mean, I think Arizona State maybe has a better chance of getting to nine wins, but I don't even know if that would be enough. But if I'm going to pick a quarterback, uh, it's not necessarily a dark horse, but they're a little bit longer odds. I'm still sticking with Sam Ellinger. I know that we talked briefly about the Heisman, I think on the show we did around the draft, if that's correct. And at that point, I picked Ellinger, and his his odds have shortened dramatically since then. I think, I can't remember exactly if it was plus 250 back then, um, or I'm sorry, 2,500. It's down to 1,500. They were per, listening to you. Per, yeah. Well, I mean, not me in particular, but I think that the some people are really hyped on Texas. I'm not quite there necessarily, but I could see a scenario where we see a Tebow light type season from Ellinger because – Keontae Ingram is hurt. I don't know exactly how long he's supposed to be out. They have talent there, but it's unproven. They showed willingness to just run him into a wall repeatedly last year. And even though he was banged up, he still somehow basically managed to keep going. He's like a dump truck. I don't think we see like the raw touchdown totals that we saw in Tebow's best season. But I do think that there's a path for him to kind of be like the all everything guy on that offense. Health is obviously a concern, especially if you're running your quarterback that many times. But if I had to pick someone outside of like the top, you know, three ish, I would still say Ellinger. All right. If you if you could choose straight up between Ellinger and, and Justin Herbert, who would you pick? You mean better shot to win? Yeah. Ooh, that's that's tight. I think I would still still probably go with Ellinger, but I think it's close because yeah. I I do think that Herbert is the better pure passer pretty clearly but it's just like that added rushing upside and rushing touchdown upside that i just don't think herbert has in a range of outcomes so i'm just looking for like prolific stats really when i'm looking at this and i think ellinger has a higher ceiling there yeah for sure all right matt who you got for us dark horse all right so i'm gonna give two because i don't like to follow rules um so I'm going to start out with one I mentioned last week, and that's Jacob Eason. Uh, was a former five-star player. Kind of got run out of town when Jake Fromm showed up, but everything about him, everything 
he's ever been talked about is he's a very talented player. I think Washington is going to push to, for an undefeated season this year. If they are, and he puts up the he's going to be need to play very well. If he does, I think his name's going to come up in conversation. My second one, and this one is a little more dark horse-ish because people probably won't know him as well, is Jordan Love at a Utah State. Utah State was one of the best group of five teams in the country. They did lose their head coach this offseason, and they lost uh, this guy by the name of Darwin Thompson. I don't know if you guys have heard of him at all, but uh, Jordan Love had a 9.4 adjusted yards per attempt last year through uh, 3,567 uh, yards, had seven rushing touchdowns, and had a 64% completion percentage. If he proves that this wasn't purely scheme-driven, why they were a success, if he proves uh, that Utah State continues to be a group of five threat, I think his name will come up. I think there's a pretty decent chance if he repeats his numbers from last year, he's a guy that finishes third. So he's out there. It would take a few pieces falling in place perfectly, but he's a guy I thought had a lot of talent and... Played on a pretty solid offense, so I mean it's a dart throw, but I, I really like him. I think he's a guy to watch this season. Yeah, no, I think that's good. And and kind of the point of this exercise isn't you know to nail a dark horse correctly, and and you know because the, the the odds of that happening are, are so incredibly slim. But more just to give us an excuse to talk about some of these maybe less known less known players or less talked about players. So I think that's really good. You mentioned Darwin, and I wanted to I'll use that as a nice segue into. Our, our dynasty draft that we that we've got going on. I took Darwin in the twelfth round in a startup dynasty. Was was that way too early? I just didn't want to no. to risk not getting him because I'm just so excited about what he could do in Kansas City. But uh, yeah, I, I took him in the twelfth round ahead of guys. I mean, there wasn't a whole lot left. I mean, Kalen Balage was the next running back to go, followed by you know uh, Madison and Singletary. So I felt pretty good about where I got him, but I wasn't sure if I was crazy. I don't think so. If he's the starter at the end of this year for the best offense in the NFL, then it's gold. Where, where, where's he going to be drafted next year? Exactly. Second right. round, right. first round. He's. I, I think it is an asset that you didn't use up one of your premium picks on, and so it's easily cuttable if he is cut. But he's also a guy that has the potential to be a superstar. So. I don't know. The difference between him and Damian Williams doesn't seem to be a whole lot other than the fact that Damian Williams is now old. So <laughs> Right. 27 years old. <laughs> I mean I mean in running back years right, that's right. what 142. Yeah, it's it's up there. Uh but I think I think what I really want to talk about with this draft was the it, it kind of started off, you know, pretty pretty typical. I mean, Ezekiel Elliott didn't go in the top 4. That's been much more standard as of late, but then Again, this is a super flex league. So, Jordan, you you grabbed you grabbed Mahomes at, at number eight overall. Uh, super flex, of course, and that makes a lot of sense. And at the turn, we saw Baker Mayfield and Deshaun Watson go to Aiden, which was nuts. And then Wispy, you decided, listen, I'm not getting out of the second round without my boy. And you grabbed Kyler Murray with the third pick in the second round. And I want you to talk about that for a few minutes. So here was my thought. I think that. In a super super flex league, it's important to have a quarterback with a pretty high ceiling on a weekly basis. So I was looking for the guy that has the potential to finish as a top five quarterback. Mahomes is off the board. Baker Mayfield's off the board. Deshaun Watson's off the board. I was taking one of those three if they made it back to me. 
So I'm sitting there looking at this five foot four quarterback who's going to play on an offense that's going to run 99 plays per game behind the worst offensive line and said, <laughs> you know, give me a piece of that. I like um, the truth is, I just think I think Kyler Murray is really good. I, I don't think there's a, too much to say about it. I just think that he's a relatively uh, young quarter or relatively young player who has athleticism upside, has accuracy potentially as good as anyone in the league and is playing on an offense that very well might run the most plays in NFL history. All of those things add up to a lot of fantasy points. And while it is a huge risk, huge, huge, huge risk for the purpose of a dynasty build, I'm looking at him as a guy that might be a starter for me for 10 years. And when you look at the way I kind of built my team out, I put an emphasis on players that were young with pretty high upside. So yeah, it was probably a little crazy, uh, but I'm going to be a little bit crazy in a lot of situations. Yeah, and the way quarterbacks went, I mean, I don't know if he would have still been there for you at the end of the third round. Um, Carson Wentz went with the next pick. Uh, now, it happened that because all those guys were gone, no other quarterbacks were taken in the third round, but you never know how that changes if he's still on the board. So, yeah, I thought that was I thought that was really interesting. Uh, and Jordan, how, how did you feel? You took You took two quarterbacks with your first four picks. Uh, I'm just curious to hear you just in a super flex dynasty league, just explain to people why that's such an important strategy. Cause you both, you both prioritize quarterback early. Yeah. I mean, the luck pick is one that I'm kind of a little bit wishwashy on looking back in hindsight. Um, only because I'm not even really necessarily concerned about the current injury, whatever is going on, because if he misses, you know, the first three weeks, four weeks, in, you know, let's say that happens this season. That's okay. I'm really looking down down the line because he's, what, 29, 30 years old? Just turned 30-ish. Um, I believe when he's healthy, he is potentially the second best quarterback in the league. So, I mean, it's more of like a long play. I know that people probably are scared off because of this injury because of past injury because the Colts seem to not be able to take care of him or rehab him and I know that that's all built into the fact that he went to the middle of the fourth round where normally if everything was if everything was straight he looked good wasn't hurt where does he go second you guys think he's the second quarterback on third quarterback on so I mean I'm okay with like taking on that risk because I am looking down the road a bit and to be honest, I didn't go into this draft thinking I was going to take quarterback in the first round. I honestly thought that Mahomes would go before the eighth pick because I would have thought Mahomes would have gone like third. I was yeah. you getting him there. I was sitting there salivating when I saw him falling. He was he was a guy I was I was going to take if he was sitting there. So exactly, I think um, FPC. Is that yeah, not, F- not just because of the Superflex, but also the dynasty aspect to it? Is that correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. Just because he's so young. And I mean, if he if he stays healthy, he is an absolute cornerstone for, like Matt said, with, with Kyler Murray possibly for the next decade. Whereas and I the running the Mahomes... back might only be three to five years if you're lucky. Correct. And he, <laughs> yeah. could be out of the, he could be out of the league. Say Mahomes, for some reason, plays till he's 36. I mean, that's 12 more years. When he fell to eight, I kind of felt like my hand was forced. I, I was planning on going wide receiver in the first round, but 
sometimes you just have to adjust when the board goes a different way than you anticipate. Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's good. I think the strategy behind it is important. Uh, this is my, my my first dynasty league, and, and looking back, I would have done a lot of things differently, uh, but I didn't know them at the time. I went with Juju at six, which I feel great about because I mean he's super young and he has a history of <laughs> of success at, at a young young age, and I think yeah, I think the sky's the limit for him as well. But looking back, maybe uh, maybe going with a guy like Mahomes uh, would have been a, a decent idea. I I went with Aaron Rodgers in the fourth, which is great for this year. My, my team's built to win this year. I'm really nervous about what's going to happen two, three, four years from now uh, when, when, uh, I'm, when, when Jared Cook and Aaron Rodgers are uh, rolling off to the old folks home together. <laughs> but, uh, but we'll see what happens. Um, I, I think it's been a lot of fun. Uh, Jordan and I are also in a Debbie draft that's been really interesting. And I'd like to hear both of your thoughts on Debbie in, in, in startups because I, I'm really struggling with the, the strategy and the philosophy behind it because there's so many unknowns, not just the unknown of who's actually going to be able to to reach their potential from a production standpoint, but there's so many factors that are outside of the player's control, like where they're drafted and who the coach is of that team and who the quarterback is of that team. I think of a guy like Corey Davis who, you know, he he's a freak athlete with incredible upside and then he just gets unlucky, ends up in Tennessee and he's really just, yeah, his value's so diminished because there's not much opportunity for touchdowns, for yards, because uh, unfortunately Marcus Mariota is not uh, the GOAT like I had once hoped and dreamed he would be. So when do you guys start looking in a startup league? When do you guys start looking to to grab some of the, the Debbie players that you're you're most excited about? Like, <clears throat> excuse me, like the quarterbacks like Tua, and uh, I mean, Trevor Lawrence is only a sophomore, so I know that that that's very young. Uh, some of the running backs like Etienne and Jonathan Taylor, and and then the wide receivers, of of course. Uh, I know you boys both have your favorites, but do you guys prioritize them in different orders, or just the guys you like? And and how early on in drafts do you do you look to do that? Let's start with you, Matt. So I think it's sort of dependent. Um, the the thing about Devi leagues is that you basically have to when you're in a startup for one, you basically have to make a decision of am I compete, trying to compete year one and I'm okay with just taking mediocre Debbie talent at the end and then waiting until the following season before I truly dive into getting uh, potentially high drafted players or do I, um, do I uh, go all in for the future and build around this very risky talent and kind of punt till uh, like two years down the road uh, and that it's sort of an interesting dynamic that you have to make this decision on. For me, I actually did a dispersal Devi draft earlier this year where I looked at the talent and said, you know, it dries up fairly quickly. And but there's a huge amount of uh, very highly regarded Devi players like I got Jonathan Taylor, Cam Akers, uh, Tyler Johnson and a few other uh, solid players. How early were you drafting them? I took well, particularly it's a super flex league. Trevor Lawrence was in the board. I took him with my second round pick. Wow. Um, I was, I I took my first pick was Christian McCaffrey. My second pick was Trevor Lawrence. It's I made a decision that I had to jump on the opportunity when it was there. But I've also played in Devi leagues where I did I did a startup one a couple of years ago where Saquon Barkley. It was before he was in the league. He went first round. Um, 
where Darius Geis went end of the first round, and you start <laughs> looking that's at this. so unfortunate now because he's in Washington. <laughs> and it's you start looking at these things, and and there's just a lot of variables that go into it, and you kind of yeah. have to make this decision of do I play it quote unquote safe and try and win now with established guys, or do I push or, or do I push my winning window down a couple of years? So for me, I'm gonna mostly. If it's a completely uh, startup league, I'm probably going to play for this year. I'm probably going to wait until about the double-digit rounds before I take any Debbie players. But I also know that that means I'm going to miss out on – I'm never going to have Tyler Johnson if I use that strategy. I'm never going to have um, Jalen Rieger if I use that strategy or, or uh, Jerry Judy or, for that matter, any of this year's crazy running back class. So it's just a – Devi startups are crazy because there isn't a true while there is ADP out there no one is no draft is going to end up the same because you never know am I going to be in the draft with the psychopath who's not even going to start looking at his roster until 2022. Yeah, and I think we've got a couple of those guys in this league that we're that we're that we're playing in. Uh Jordan, I wanted to ask you if you do decide to wait on on Debbie players. He's about what, to snipe you on something. <laughs> if you if you are looking to the double digit rounds for your Debbie players, would you then recommend to, to people to maybe get some younger players that may not hit right away because you have a better shot of winning now anyway, because you've been drafting NFL ready or NFL rostered players. So, so looking to replace them in two to three years with, you know, sophomores, maybe uh, is that something that you would look to do or are you still just going best available no matter what? Or are you more it's, open to getting the underclassmen? Yeah, it's it's kind of tough to have like a cut and dry answer to that because it all depends on, like, I think it all depends on what your roster looks like up to that point. Um, like, for instance, the league that you're referencing that you and I are drafting in right now. Um, to to kind of start, I had I had I took Saquon at the 101, um, and that. I came back around and I took Stefan Diggs and Amari Cooper. Now, those guys are 25, 26-ish years old. So assuming they stay healthy, continue playing, hopefully are in decent situations moving forward, you can, you can anticipate you know, another four, three to four seasons of hopefully prime production before they come close to any kind of decline. And then obviously, hopefully further than that, but that's a realistic range, I think. Um, and then I came back and I got Alan Robinson as well, who is also somehow just 25 years old. <laughs> right. I saw that um, and I was, I was shocked. <laughs> y- yeah. So, I mean, and, and then I decided to take Jalen Rieger and Rondell Moore. So, I mean, I'm obviously oh my going. gosh, that's I'm, not fair. I'm going really <laughs> wide receiver heavy. Obviously, I mean my running backs are absolutely going to suck. It is a half. But, it is a full point PPR for receivers, only half point PPR for running backs. So there's a lot of strategy in that too, though. So I, I don't know if what I did was necessarily preferred or optimal or plus EV, but but I think what I was kind of anticipating was I knew I wanted to go wide receiver heavy, and once I had Saquon, it's kind of like that modified zero RB that we're talking a lot about around Rotoviz for for a season long. So if I if I assume Barkley is going to anchor the running back core, he's only 22 years old. So you hopefully for another 8 years or longer. But since I have 
<laughs> Easy now. So, I mean, so so since the rest of my wide receivers are kind of like in that middle age range, I feel like with Rieger coming in, I'm assuming next year, and then Rondell Moore hopefully coming in in 2021, it's kind of a steady stream of guys who once my wide receivers, um, veterans now who I have rostered, are sort of aging out, kind of getting towards that cliff. These two guys hopefully will be coming in coming up to that breakout area that I anticipate both of them have in their range of outcomes. So it's a really long, messy answer, and I can't really wrap it up with a nice bow, but I think it all kind of depends. And and I agree with basically everything that Matt said as well. Every draft is different. Um, it depends on who you're drafting with and what kind of approach everybody wants to take. Yeah, for sure. So one last question, and, and either one of you can can answer this. So how would you guys look at it? Because, like I said, some receivers just get so unlucky by being drafted by a team with really terrible quarterback play or, or bad coaching. And then others, you know, get super fortunate. And, of course, you don't know that when you're drafting these Debbie guys. But how would you kind of value a guy like Curtis Samuel, who everyone has as a breakout this year, with a, a, a good quarterback in Cam Newton? Sorry, that was a joke. I was, I was like, what, what do you mean who? Did I say his name wrong? But like someone <laughs> like that who's, who's super young. I think he's like, what, like 22 years old or something like that? So like, how would you, so like, I'm, I'm going to be up in three picks. I could grab Samuel or I could go for a guy like Justin Ross or something like that. How, how do you kind of equate the value of those two players? Because to me, I, I'd rather take the safety. Like maybe Samuel's ceiling is never going to be as high as Justin Ross, but I know the floor is pretty damn good. Maybe I just go that route. So is there a way you kind of quantify that or is it really just up to personal preference and there's not really a right answer? For me, I mean, it's all about did you build your roster with your first few picks or whatever? Have you built your roster in a way that you are trying to win year one? If you're trying to win year one, then the answer is probably Curtis Samuel because there is a chance that Curtis Samuel has a ton of value next year and for five years moving forward. But he may, I think it's unlikely he ever reaches superstar status just because he's tied to a quarterback that's never going to throw the ball 600 times. I say that he may have done that already, but um, <laughs> no, he's tied to mean. a quarterback that's going to yeah. be slightly lower volume. And he's also um, paired with DJ Moore, who we all think very highly of as well, as well as Christian McCaffrey, who's going to steal a lot of targets. So it's, do you want the 70% chance of a future wide receiver too, or the 30% chance of a wide receiver one. Yeah. I think Justin Ross in this situation probably is if you're, if you think that you're going to be a mid tier team next year, if you think you're going to be someone who finishes fifth or sixth, then you just, you probably just take Rossi as a higher upside. If you think your team right now looking at the league and say, I think I'm the favorite, or I think through this amount of picks, I'm the favorite. Then you probably just take Curtis Samuel uh, grit your teeth as you watch Justin Ross get picked like three <laughs> picks after you right. and you you kind of just have to move on from it that's it, it's it's all like I said I I think Jordan kind of worded it better than I could because he's more eloquent than me um it's it is it's a roster construction move and yeah and so you have to weigh those things out and it, because you know if you're in the middle next year you're not getting Justin Ross because right. Justin Ross I mean, he's gone, or he won't get a player of that caliber. So, yeah, yeah. no, that's that, that's good. Let's uh, let's take a quick break here, and when we come back, we will dive into the picks for the upcoming games this weekend. I'm Scott Trout. 
CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. And we are back, and it is time to talk a little bit of college football. This is a good one, boys. Florida versus Miami. Um, I, I, I'm really excited for this game. Both teams have top 25 defenses from last year, which I think is very exciting uh, for this game. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. This is the third. This is only the third meeting, believe it or not. This is only the third meeting these two teams have since 2005. They're one and one in those matchups. So we've got a lot of interesting stuff on the table here. Game is going to be played in Orlando. Uh, the over-under is uh, at seven and a half per FanDuel. Uh, Jordan, I'd like to hear you walk us through kind of what your expectation is, uh, where where you'd be putting your money, and if you if this is one you feel confident enough to put money on, let us know that too. Yeah, so probably to start off, I don't think that I would run out to put money on this game necessarily, especially on this on a side. I, I think that the number where it's at right now, I, I would lean slightly on Florida at uh, minus seven and a half, and I think. What it comes down to is I think that Florida has pretty much, if you, if you put both rosters side by side, I think Florida is the more talented cumulative roster. And I also think that they have a sizable advantage at the quarterback position. I'm not a huge Felipe Franks fan, but I think that experience, he finished last season on a real upswing. Dan Mullen's offense, I think, could potentially be better than we may believe this season. Um, there's obviously talent all around him. Florida, you know, they've fallen off a bit from previous, uh, you know, national championship caliber teams, but they always recruit fairly well. They have talent. And I'm just not quite sure about Miami, you know, I, until I can until I see them have a quarterback who can command the offense, push the ball down the field, not just, you know, scramble to pick up first downs. Uh, 10 yard outs like I want to see down the field pushing the ball that's when an offense can really be dangerous so, <laughs> yeah who is now playing wide receiver so I guess he will be going downfield um, but if I had to pick a side I think I would take Florida but it's it's really just a lean and I don't know if the over under last I saw was 47 and a half is that what you have Matt I saw earlier today at 47 so that's Ooh, okay it's um, it's getting it's getting a little bit lower and i'm less comfortable with it but yeah that's kind of a stay away for me too if it was if it was above 48 um i might be tempted to play the under because i don't think this game has a ton of points but that's like right around that kind of stay away area so i guess if i had to i would just take florida my you know minus the points and just kind of bank on what i think or which team I believe is better top to bottom and has the better quarterback. Yeah, and I'm, I'm pretty sure most of the bets have been on both the under and on Florida. So uh, you, you you kind of lean with consensus there, which makes a lot of sense. You're a smart guy. How about how about you, Matt? Where, where are you seeing this one? Um, so kind of similar to Jordan. I don't. The side kind of scares me. I think that there is a very real chance that this Florida team gets an early lead, sits on the ball. Um, 
I think they're capable of that. And I think Dan Mullen is sort of put out there that he's not super comfortable with the short prep time for this season. So I think that he's going to do mean, what he can. You mean eight months? <laughs> well, I'm just teasing. I know. Like, <laughs> when you're in this week zero matchup that they're playing, it's harder to get your team fully prepared. And when right. you have these short prep times, the um, the strength of your team tends to be on the defensive side of the ball more than the offensive side of the ball, particularly in ones where um, players are a little bit younger. So... I would be concerned if I was Miami, if only because I don't think their offensive line is great. I think that just deciding your quarterback a couple of days before a week before your game isn't exactly ideal. And frankly, I just I'm not sure that they're in the same realm of team because I think there's a chance that Florida's uh, finishes the year as top 10 again this year. So. It's it's a weird place. Um, Miami has more players that I like. I think that uh, Jeff Thomas and KJ Osborne are two very talented receivers, but I also just don't know if it'll matter in this game because Jaron Williams has three college pass attempts. Something tells me that when the lights are on and he's the only game happening against a good Florida defense with an offensive line that is very unproven, he's going to get hit a lot. So... My, the only thing that I would probably uh, come into this game with is the under 47, just because I do think that there's a chance it's a 20 to 10 type game. And Dan Mullen says, we're going to run the ball 347 times in eight minutes. So I, it's just, it'll be, it's an interesting game. I really like the matchup. I'm just, I would be so terrified to take Florida but I'm also not confident enough to take Miami. So I'd roll with the under. I wouldn't make this a lock of a pick though. Well, I'm, I'm going a little, I mean, I, I have no sense of, to me, one of the more difficult things for me to project in college football is, is the scoring because there's so many defensive touchdowns, special teams, touchdowns, weird punts that only go like six yards. And all of a sudden <laughs> the, the, the opposing teams already in field goal range. Like there's just, College football is crazy, and that's why I love it. That's why it's so much fun to watch. But it makes projecting uh, over-unders for me really, really difficult. So to me, I have i don't think I've ever actually placed a bet on an over-under, maybe once or twice, no, definitely not very often. But I am, and, and you guys may not know this about me, you know I'm a Jacksonville fan, you know I'm a Miami Marlins fan. I also used to love the U. I mean, I really loved the U. You have the weirdest fan affiliation. <laughs> well, I grew up. I grew up in West Africa, so like, I don't have any regional. Uh, That's fair. I don't have any regional ties, so it's just kind of like who was on TV the day I happened to start getting into that sport. And to me, like, the Ohio State Miami National Championship is still one of the most like disturbing games of all time. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. Um, but, but anyway, you I mean, watching Willis McGahee's I don't, knee blow I can't up even talk about pieces. it. I can't, I can't even talk let's about not, it. Yeah. Um, let's not do that. He, he was, he was a God to me. Like I was so, I loved him so much and I'm glad that he did. He did. He was able to have a decent NFL career, but anyway, so I've always kind of loved Miami. So, and the fact that they came out with their, their stupid, um, <laughs> their, their turnover chain or whatever, <laughs> like now everyone's <laughs> copying that, like. <clears throat> They're just ridiculous, and I love them for it. So I want them to be a thing, and I and I think I think this game will come down to to the defenses. 
And I think because both defenses are really, really good, I mean, both top 25 nationally, as I said earlier, I think it will be a low-scoring game. But I also think it's going to be a, a tight game. It may not be tight uh, watching it. Miami may not ha- actually ever really be in it. But I could see them scoring late to make it look close on the scoreboard. And so I'm actually taking Miami, taking the 7.5 points, and, and I feel, like you guys, really uncertain about that. This is not one that I feel comfortable putting money on. But I did think it was interesting. I was doing a little research on this game, and I was shocked, shocked to see um, that, that Franks's year last year, from just from a statistical perspective, was the best by a Gators quarterback in nearly a decade. And I was shocked to hear that. Like, I, I was shocked because... We talked about him last year, and we were snapped his leg halfway through the year. We were just, and we were unimpressed by a lot of his 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 ability to, you know, throw the ball. And uh, but he he accounted for thirty one touchdowns. I, I I'm I'm so excited for this game. It's going to be something. I'm going to sit down on the couch and just do nothing else except watch watch a little football. And it's going to feel really good to watch meaningful football again. But yeah, I'm going with Miami. They had they finished the year poorly last year, but I'm hoping they can bounce back. All right, let's jump into the other one. We've got Arizona minus 11 at Hawaii. Jordan, give us your take on this one. Yeah, so just to keep this short and sweet, I think that Arizona is the better team. But I'm going to go with the points and Hawaii here, plus 11. And what I believe, what I think is the most likely outcome is Hawaii probably loses the game, but I do think that they have enough on offense to keep it close right down to the wire enough to come in under the number. Their offense, obviously, with uh, the passing game uh, being the heavy focus, they bring back um, two of their top three receivers from last year, um, really experienced guys, both seniors. Uh, Cole McDonald, at quarterback, was was really good in that system last year. Um, they bring back their entire offensive line, a bunch of guys in the on the defensive side of the ball as well, including their entire secondary. I don't necessarily want to say like this is a money line play, but I feel of the two, I feel much more confident in taking Hawaii in the points based on how I feel about that Florida Miami game. Honestly, minus 410 on Arizona is probably a pretty solid play. Ooh. I mean, I think they're that much. If you can name one player on Hawaii's defense that is going to be capable of stopping Khalil Tate or J.J. Taylor when they get into an open field, then, yeah, maybe like maybe I'll get concerned. I just think that those two players, um, when they get out in open space in this game, are going to be difference makers. And, yes, it's going to turn into a shootout. And, yes, um, it, Back it's cover. Going- it, yes, I, I mean I, I think that's in play. That's why I would say I'm not. I would not take a side, or if I did, I probably lean Hawaii and just keep a shootout going. But uh, yeah, I mean I like I, I like the money line on it. I I, I feel I'm, I'm going against uh, you again here, but I'm going with uh, with Arizona. Uh, sorry, Jordan. But no, I love okay, favorites. I well, I just I I, I said as you Khalil, picked an underdog before, but I love I, favorites. I called I called Khalil Tate my dark horse Heisman. He can't do that if he's gonna lose to Hawaii by or or even not beat them by two touchdowns. You know, so I, I think this is a, a 
get right game. They started off the year so terribly last year. I don't think they want to go down that road again. I don't think they play it conservative. I think they open it up. They let Khalil Tate show what he can do. There's not going to be much else for people to do other than watch this game. I mean, this is this is kind of prime time. Arizona doesn't get a lot of opportunities on TV like that. So I, I think this is going to be a, a show-me game. I think Khalil Tate puts up monster numbers and and really dominates the game. And I don't think Hawaii can keep up. I think they'll score a lot of points, but I don't think it'll be enough. I think Arizona wins by 12, 12 to 16 points. And I, I feel pretty good about this. If I had to pl- place a bet this week, uh, it would be on Arizona. So uh, that, that's kind of where I'm, I'm leaning on this one. Uh, but <laughs> I... Uh, I don't know. We'll find out. I'm excited to find out. I'm, I'm really, I'm really pumped for football to start up. I've been, you know, I get really excited to watch like a preseason NFL game. I sit down and turn it on, and then within like ten minutes, I'm like, gosh, this is preseason. This is brutal. I, what am I doing to myself? I want real football. So I'm, I'm happy for some real football to be coming up soon. Absolutely, same here. Yeah. So, so Matt, I see you just picked Hakeem Butler and Josh Rosen back to back. You feel pretty good about that in the uh, 16th no. round? I don't. Uh, Hakeem Butler doesn't seem to be doing all that well in camp and Josh Rosen isn't the starter currently in Miami but it's dynasty I wanted to make sure that no one else got uh, Josh Rosen because if he does turn out to be the quarterback that we thought he was his freshman year at UCLA then he's valuable if he turns out to be terrible he's an easy cut right and Hakeem Butler was the greatest player that Matt Waldman has ever charted ever ever let's ignore his draft stock um I I I don't know I'm not as high on Hakeem Butler his final season was great he was a player that into the at the very beginning of the process uh I thought had some upside his draft stock terrified me he's a guy I'm just I'm going to stash. He'll sit there and hopefully that offense turns into something fun. Right. Um, right. Somehow you let me sneak out of the Arizona Hawaii game without actually making a pick though. Oh yeah. Give it um, to us. I mean, this is, two, this is like two weeks in a row where I'm screwing yeah, you, you over. You just forget I exist. I, I am, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so I'm about to say a lot of things and then go the opposite way. <laughs> so I think that these are going to, at the end of the year, be two of the more fun offenses to watch. I think that uh, Arizona, I think you're right in thinking that Arizona is going to uh, feature Khalil Tate in a way that is going to make him one of the best statistical quarterbacks in the country. I think that uh, anyone playing the short slate of DFS should slide Cole McDonald, uh, Cedric Bird, and JoJo Ward into their lineup at all costs. It doesn't matter. Um, They're going to do well. And with all that being said... 74 points is a lot when I think there is a good chance that Arizona says, all right, we're just going to start running the ball with J.J. Taylor and Khalil Tate because who's going to stop them and milks the clock a little bit. So with that being said, I think this game's going to be high scoring. I think it's going to be real fun to watch, but I think it ends at like 38-35. And I think that Arizona takes it because they – they make a decision to not let Hawaii throw the ball all over the field. So it, it's, it's probably one of the more fun games we could have. I'm honestly more excited to watch that game than I am Miami and Florida. And I still think it's going to go under. 
All right, there, there you have it. Thank you. So, so should I just take Khalil Tate with my with my next pick in the Debbie in the Debbie draft? Because oh. <laughs> now, man, you're I'm talking honestly, me into it. I'm talking me into it. I'm feeling real good about Khalil Tate right around now. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying don't take Khalil Tate ever, but if you take Khalil Tate this early in a draft, I will yell at you because. <laughs> Oh, that's good stuff. Well, but before we wrap up, Jordan, you're on the clock, just so you know. But also, uh, Jordan, you just had another one of your articles uh, released today. You are looking at some of the Debbie running backs and what we can project. Give us just a couple of, of lines. I think you are on part three of your series now. Talk to us a little bit about, about that, about those articles that you've got up on Rotoviz. Yeah, so there was a three-part series that I did over the last week, uh, week and a half, basically looking at the pass catching upside of the vaunted 2020 running back class and some pretty interesting things that I was able to dig out uh, relying pretty heavily on Ryan Collingsworth's um, look at how the running back position is changing in fantasy football and how PPR reception percentage so basically like the percentage of your total PPR output that comes via the passing game in college um, does kind of translate into what type of player you will be at the next level. So it's kind of a two-step process, but it is interesting. And it touches a lot on Travis Etienne and Jonathan Taylor in particular, um, AJ Dillon as well as guys who, based on what we've seen so far, may have, may have a lower floor than we'd like to believe and maybe a capped ceiling. Um, I'm not all the way out on those guys. Obviously, they're extremely talented, but it's kind of emphasizes how important it is to be a pass catcher in college as a running back. Um, and the one I just put out today was part three, and it looked at some of the guys who were a little bit lower down the board who probably won't have great draft capital, but who with a little bit of um, with a little bit of bump up in receiving in this season in 2019 could see a bump up in their draft stock as well. So. It's just a series I went pretty deep into the 2020 class because it's pretty pretty hyped. Obviously, everyone knows about the stars, but kind of takes a top-to-bottom look at what we could expect um, them to do in the NFL based on at least what they did in 2018. Yeah, no, I think that's really good. <clears throat> um, and Matt, it's something you've mentioned as well as kind of that that receptions per game you're looking for. What, what What's the... Uh... There's no such thing as a magic number, but what's the magic number? What are you looking for for average receptions or or, or is average targets better? What what do you guys think uh, when you're looking at these running backs? What what's that number for you? For me, I I kind of like a baseline number um, more so than I look for like a magic number. If you don't have at least one year where you averaged at least one reception per game, I I do knock you down, um, and that's only because I think that players that have no receiving upside and no ability to be an impact in the passing game really do have a limited ceiling in the NFL just because there is going to be the theoretics of the world who can just come in and take you off the field in these critical moments. And, so, And one reception per game is enough, like on average, is enough to make you feel com- comfortable? You're not looking for, I, for much more than that? I'm looking for more. I'm looking ideally for like two to three. Like the big reason why I love Saquon is I believe he averaged like four during his final season. And you're not going to get that from a lot of players because there aren't a lot of college coaches that lean in that range of 
throwing at their running back. You get the Curtis Samuel type, but then those types of players eventually turn into wide receivers more often than they turn into uh, NFL running backs. So then you start looking for it like two receptions per game is one where I, I really start to take them seriously. Anything above that. And I really start to think that they're a potential three down back. But even with all that being said, there isn't a magic number. Just one is my kind of baseline. They have to be able to be some type of a threat in the passing game. And I'm sure Jordan actually has just a statistical backup on stuff yeah. uh, with reasoning. But that's kind of when I when I do my like early looks at players, one of the things I do kind of take a look at is receptions per game, even more so than I do the efficiency of how they convert those. Yeah. And, and the the write up you did, Jordan, on Eno Benjamin, you know, it was he's not like someone you're projecting to be outstanding. I, I think you kind of comped him maybe to to like a, a Duke Johnson type player. But I, I definitely am excited about Eno Benjamin. We talked about him quite a quite a few times last year and I'll be excited to see what he can do uh not only this season but then but but then to the next level but I thought it was a great article uh everyone should be uh subscribed to Rotoviz so that you can get this excellent content Matt I know you have your you just released a new installment of your perfect draft which um is, is also great reading people need to be reading that and you are working on an auction draft as well talk to us a little bit about that before we close up for the day so yeah, I've been I've been releasing a a perfect draft series and it's sort of a a misnomer because in my perfect draft in every perfect draft I would be in this year I probably would be picking second. I think that second is the ideal draft spot in most leagues just because I think there's a real value in getting a Christian McCaffrey or Saquon Barkley. However, I had all of these positions somewhat randomized by uh going around to my friends and asking them to pick a random number one to 12 and had them kind of place me in a draft. And then from there I picked out as best a draft as I could. Um, I started off with a non PPR league, which felt real weird, did not go zero running back at all, yeah. leaned into the running back position, then went into the half PPR where you start to get a little bit of a modified zero running back. I still wanted to have my focus on or my starting core be based around the running back position because they they still score a little bit more in the flex position at the top. And then today or yeah, today I released the super flex one where one of my goals was, as I talked about in the dynasty one, I wanted to have a positional advantage at the quarterback and super flex position. So I targeted two top 12 running backs, I mean quarterbacks, and then went zero running back from there. And then the auction one I'm going to be doing, it's going to be a full PPR one. And what I'm working on right now is finding kind of an average cost value because unfortunately there isn't this magic number for what people will spend on players. And in that one, and just as kind of a spoiler to it, whoever reads it, one of my top picks is going to be one of the big four running backs because I think they do provide such an advantage in um, any format because I just think there's a chance that they run away and outscore the other flexes because their volume will be so heavy. Yeah, that's good stuff, guys. Um, again, rotaviz.com, all this stuff. If you if you are in Devi leagues, Dynasty leagues, and you're not subscribed to Rotaviz, you are definitely doing it wrong. We have great content coming your way. Of course, if you're looking for just regular NFL 
fantasy football draft stuff. We've got great content for you. Really, really amazing tools that you can use. And I, I've been fiddling around with them a lot this, this off season, even more so before. I love the projection machine. I have so much fun playing with that. But uh, I, I've also found, I've got an article coming out on Tyler Lockett where I use some of the different apps just to look at just how efficient, you guys, the efficiency between Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett is insane. Last year, the average yards per, average yards per attempt was 16.41 between those two guys. Second place was Phillip Rivers to, my, to Mike Williams, and it was 12 and a half. So just ridiculous. That was second place. He was four yards better. Anyway, I, I digress. Read the article. It, it's, it's, it's fun. I'm excited about Tyler Lockett. Anyway, get on Rotoviz. You want to be reading these articles. You want to be playing with these tools so that you can really get an advantage uh, against your opponents when it comes to fantasy football, and also just to learn more about about the sport and to see you know what what numbers are real and what's kind of smokescreen. So so be doing that. I'm looking forward to talking to the boys again next week. We can talk about what took place in the Miami and Florida game. We can talk a little bit about Khalil Tate's run for the Heisman, and we'll break down all the games for Week One. It's going to be awesome, gentlemen. Do you have anything to say to the to the good listeners before we hit end on this lovely podcast? Nah, man, it's good to be back. It's good to talk football with you guys, and uh, yeah, football coming up. We got real games. Yeah, it's good stuff, Matt. Uh, yeah, I'm just excited to be back for the season. All right, there it is. We'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening. There's ghosts haunting these woods, and they're headed straight for Roaring Camp Railroads. Is it a trick? No, it's Thomas and Percy's Halloween party. And with a bounce house, pumpkin patch, temporary tattoos and face painting, plus photos with Sir Top and Pat, it's certainly going to be a treat. So get down to Roaring Camp before all the fun disappears. Weekends October 12th through the 27th. Hi, welcome to the Subway ad for $2.99 subs. How would you like it? Uh, I'll take Drill Sergeant, please. You got it. All right, now listen up. I want each and every one of you to drop and give me a six-inch meatball marinara. Cold cut combo. Veggie delight. Or black forest ham on your choice of bread with any veggies you want for just $2.99 each. Subway! Make it what you want at participating restaurants. Additional charge for extras plus applicable tax. No additional discounts or coupons may be applied. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.